On this week's episode, we're going to discuss some dangerous security flaws with command not found that you need to be aware of and what you should do to stay safe. Welcome to episode number 360, where we come full circle of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Jill. I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael. We're also going to cover Raspberry Pi going big time. Now let's get the show on the road toward Destination Linux. Our feedback this week comes from Alex. He says, your show is simply epic. Thank you very much. I agree. And I tune in every time. I've been rocking Linux in my personal and professional life since 1994, roughly 30 years now, and you can all guess why I'm so stoked about the open source OS. However, last week, I had an experience that shouldn't be happening in this day and age because I heard about the True Detective series and wanted to catch the fourth season. I quickly signed up with a European streaming provider, WoW, It says that he lives in Germany, and in their terms, they claim their player required no extra software, just runs in the browser. So I thought, with the latest Firefox or Google Chrome, I could make use of their offering. Unfortunately, that's not the case, and this is in the year 2024. And after some digging, I found out it only works in the browser on the two proprietary operating systems, Mac and Windows. I'm deeply disappointed because Linux users aren't aliens anymore in this day and age, right? Maybe I could make this public, and hopefully something will change. And he says, keep coding, and may your terminal always return zero bang. <laughs> Is it zero bang or just zero? I think just zero. Zero. Just zero. Interesting. Because yeah. I read the explanation as, you're as such a terminal, a that you put as a terminal <laughs> output. I love that. <laughs> that was great. That's so Live weird. long and prosper in binary. Aw, <laughs> peace and long life, Alex. Yes, the response. indeed. Well, thank you, Alex, for sending this in. First of all, appreciate the compliments on the show being epic. I mean, we agree. Lots of people. 100% agree. agreed. Yeah. Yes. Agree. Great uh, point. It's very frustrating when the streaming services on the internet pull some crap like this with their DRM. I remember HBO, I think, initially. Disney definitely had some issues for yeah, a while. Disney. Yeah. yeah. Netflix. Um, so here's what I want to do, Michael. We need to fix this. Alex is a pretty cool person here. They love this show. They think we're epic. So let's do something epic about this. I'm I'm all ears. What's that? I think we send out a tweet or X or whatever the heck it's called these days uh, to WoW. And we tell them, hey, we need you to fix this. Our listeners want to use your service and they can't. And we need Linux to not be a second citizen and see if we can get the rest of our community. There's like 100,000 of you out there. Go out there and start bumping this up with thumbs up and retweeting it to get WoW's attention. I'm going to see if we can get the whole community in on this. I like if this. you hear this, this message awesome. and you have X or Twitter or even just sign up just to do this, we're going to send out the initial tweet. You repost it, retweet it. We're going to get WoW's attention big time to say fix this so that our man Alex can watch True Detective Season 4. Which, by the way, I happened to come across randomly a review of season four of True Detective. I've never watched any of them and heard season four is not as good as season one through three. So you might not be missing much, Alex. I don't know. (laughs) But it also seemed like (laughs) he just found True Detective in general. So yeah. Yeah. Because the first season I did watch and it was quite good. And the second season I sort of watched a little and I'm like, maybe it's not my thing. Uh, But it was still, the first season was very good. So I have no idea about the fourth, but you know, it's not... 
depending on your preference of shows, there are so many options, but I'm sure there are also many more people who want to watch WoW for this and other things Other as well. services, yeah. yeah. Like Halo, so, maybe. Well, no, that's on Paramount+. Plus. Well, maybe it's in WoW in Europe. You never we, know. Yeah, we don't know what's in yeah. Europe, so I, I maybe it is. And this is definitely a, something that I, I think that it shouldn't happen. I agree with... Uh, Alex, that this at this point, why are we still dealing with this? Because it doesn't, it's not required. Like everybody else, all the other streaming platforms make it really easy to use Linux to the point where I kind of forgot that we had this problem because it's been so many years. We used to have this problem for everything. And now I guess we're taking it for granted, but let's, I I agree. We should definitely tweet it. This is battle. This is war now. We are going to go out there as an open source Linux army. Jill, I need you to send the tweet because Michael will forget. If you could send the tweet out just at WoW telling them, hey, our listeners want to use your service on Linux and can't. And then once that goes out, all of our listeners need to go out there and repost this and like it and get WoW's attention on this and we'll see if we get it fixed. We're going to war, people. Wow, we get it. (laughs) (laughs) Call to action. Absolutely. (laughs) Aw, but... Thank you so much, Alex, for you know sent, uh, bringing this to our attention and writing us and telling us a little bit about your Linux journey. That's always cool. I love to hear that from our viewers. And Alex, I have a few suggestions for, for you. Have you tried using the user agent switcher extension for Firefox or for Chrome? This allows you to try switching your browser to make the streaming service think that you're using the Microsoft Edge browser on Windows or Firefox. or uh, Chrome or yeah, just it's just to confuse the yeah. uh, the the, the, the stream <laughs> so they don't have to worry about you know yeah, like it's confusing, confusing to even explain, <laughs> but it confuses the system and that's the key. Yeah, it confuses, it confuses the, the system, system to thinking you're on Windows, and yeah, I think that's a great idea, Jill. Yeah, and um, also Alex, you may have already you know tried this option, but and it may or may not work. It's always a good try. The proprietary Widevine digital rights management protocol may be too strong on the WoW streaming service. That may be why uh, Linux is being blocked, because that's what used to happen in the past with uh, Netflix and Disney Plus and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's probably that. And even if it's not, if if the user agent does work, that means that it's not Widevine. It's more of their choice, which will be even more annoying. But... Regardless, we're still going to be sending out this tweet because yeah, it this needs to be. Important. This shouldn't be a thing that we're even yeah. worrying about in the first place. Oh no, we're at uh, war. We're at war. Yeah, we're yeah. at war. Yeah, exactly. Uh, figuratively, and um, <laughs> okay. also running Windows in a VM would work if you wanted to do it that way. It would be kind of a heavy solution, but it would work. Absolutely. And you could also maybe try getting like a set top box or something from, you know. Amazon or whatever. And that might work too because yep. usually those don't have to deal with, even if they're based on Linux, which most of them are, it's still like they make comp- they, they don't be annoying for those particular devices. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, well, if you don't fix this, we might start recommending people go to Cuphow instead of using <laughs> Instead or maybe if they want to watch cars, it's Kachow. Kachow. Yeah. yeah. Ka-chow. Don't make us do that. Wow. <laughs> Don't make us. Ka-chow. Uh, I, I think using a Windows VM could work. Some people, they don't want to have the Windows VM option, but a Windows VM may be something you could try if your computer is powerful enough to run that VM. And 
also the streaming service. So these are basically suggestions in between our war starting. When the war <laughs> yeah. ends, you won't have to yes. do any of this because WoW will just work. We were just saying, just in case you want to, you know, yeah. watch those things and in the meantime, sort of thing. But we're still, we're yeah, coming I after still you. Still want to do that tweet. We're coming after. <laughs> That's right. Be scared. <laughs> Be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> Look at Michael's face. It's scary. So super scary. You need to watch the video version just for that. The intimidation <laughs> alone, it struck fear in my, my my feet went numb. It was crazy. I think it's like, just because I've been standing for too long. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Knew it was something. So adding something. So Alex, thanks again for sending in your question and comments. We appreciate it. And if you are listening right now and want to send in your own comments, maybe you have some suggestions for Alex as well in between when we win the battle and not. You can head to destinationlinux.net slash comments to send them in. We'd love to hear from you, like to know how you think about our show, some of the topics that we cover, anything that's on your mind, send it destinationlinux.net slash comments. Well, almost anything. Almost anything, yeah. <laughs> True. That's a, good, that's a good little caveat there. <laughs> when you go through an airport security, there's uh, one line where you go through to check the TSA, uh, getting your ID checking, and then there's the other line where a machine scans your bag, and then if you're lucky, that's all the lines you have. But sometimes there's a few more. But the same thing happens in enterprise security, too. And by in the same thing, I mean, there's multiple levels of checks, not for passengers and luggage, but for end users and their devices. And, and wow, comparing this to an airport is interesting because being in corporate America for so many years... Uh, TSA is extraordinarily frustrating, probably the worst part of travel. And uh, corporate security is also the worst part about being a corporation. So I, I see how those two connect there perfectly. And also it might connect a little level, but at the point where, you know, the people who are the TSA agents are dealing with the stuff that's very frustrating because they're dealing with thousands of people who are doing it wrong and not prepared for certain things at certain times. And then you have the security team who are dealing with people who don't know how to use their devices sometimes and, you know, wide variety of things. But, you know, these days, most companies are good at the first part of checking user identity. They have some kind of solution there. But user devices, well, that isn't always the case because sometimes they could just roll right through the authentication process without getting inspected at all. Like sometimes your bags might not get inspected at all. Uh, in fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firework firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Like Ryan takes forever to update stuff. Wait, what? You know? I yeah. update all the time. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, that was me. That's that you. Was me. That's you. Right. Yeah, okay. That's you wouldn't be trusted. You shouldn't be trusted. That's the problem. All these other people, they're no, like, no, no. I update the stuff that I need to they, to connect to like stuff like this. Just, yeah. you know. They need all the corporations need to kick Michael off their network immediately because he's untrusted <laughs> and unauthenticated. No, this, this system is up to date. I just want to verify right, that, that, that you know, there. that's no but longer think about a problem. All the apps and things people put on their personal devices and so many businesses. Oh, yeah. They require you to utilize your personal device as kind of your 2FA and also your security to get into your VPN for your business. 
And on top of that, they've got TikTok and Facebook and any other random scanning or apps. Or just, yeah, just trash. weird random apps they download that yeah. have like tons of ads or, you know, some kind of coupon app or something, you know? Yeah. And, and then these apps request permissions, like give me permission to your network. Give me permission to search your network stuff. Give me permission. And the corporation. Give me permission for your, uh, your location for some reason. Yeah, and the corporations are all their data is going to get zapped up in that app just like anybody else's if there's nothing to stop it. But luckily, there is something to stop it, and that's called Collide. Because Collide solves the device trust problem. They in- ensure that, that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and the BYOD or bring your own device stuff like phones and laptops in your company. So you can have it. And the best part about Collide is that if they find an issue, you don't have to tell the person to contact security team. They can actually explain to them what they need to do to fix the authentication problem, which is fantastic because it saves your team time for working on everybody's device. And it also makes it possible for if someone hits a hiccup, like a roadblock, they can get past it which is very important. So visit destinationlinux.net slash collide to watch a demo and to see how it works. That's destinationlinux.net slash K-O-L-I-D-E. All right, so we're talking about DRM and how it can be too secure. But Michael, what if something's not secure enough? That's bad too. You can have the, uh, you have the opposite effect here. You see where I'm going? Yeah, you just use collide. Use, that's true. You could just use collide. Uh, Maybe maybe snaps need to use Collide because in the news this week, there's a situation going on with snaps. And by the way, can I mention our timing is impeccable? We are so good. Yeah. <laughs> do Okay. I just want to remind people, we are so good at timing things. Yeah. I don't know. I can't tell you how many times we've done this, but on many occasions, we have had segments on our show and immediately following it the next week, sometimes the next day something comes out that is either directly referencing us as maybe being wrong or just not having the full context. And that has happened so many times. That's what happens when you get big time. We spark people's imaginations and they start writing articles out there. So exactly. We they did go the in episode and <laughs> on snap critiques. <laughs> Research we, we, us because of our show. Yeah. I guess we could say that we did that. Uh, what was it? The feedback that we got that we weren't genuine. We were disingenuous. Disingenuous. Yes. We did the disingenuous review of snaps in a prior episode. And, uh, (laughs) you know, we talked about the critiques that were out there on that. It was a great episode, still very relevant. But, hey, we bring you all the news, no matter what. All of the stuff, good or bad. So shortly after that, an article from Aquasec detailed a security flaw that's kind of a big deal. So Aqua Nautilus researchers identified this issue with Ubuntu's command not found package and snap repository. So basically how I understand it is when you type a command that you can't execute, and you've seen this before, if you've been in Ubuntu, it'll say the command not found message shows up, but it will try to suggest things that you will need to install to be able to execute that specific command. So for example, if you go in your terminal and you type code, and you don't have anything code installed, it will basically say, hey, why don't you try installing Visual Studio Code? And then when you type code, it will launch Visual Studio Code. It's actually a really convenient AI-like feature. I love it. I love that it comes up and suggests that. The problem is that apparently it can be really easily duped. 
And the root cause, according to Aquasec, is that the proprietary Snap Store that is hit up through the Snap Advise Snap command hits a database online, and researchers were able to replicate this very easily, where they're able to register a name and upload an app on the Snap Store, pretending to be, say, Visual Studio Code, really easily. And so they can create a because there's not a lot of checks and balances going on. They can dupe it and there's not a lot of gatekeeping and they can put a fake app up there and this can create a problem because people think it's the real thing. And additionally, if there's already something with that name, apparently they can use some form of alias to still make it look like it's another version of, say, Visual Studio Code or something else in there. So like having the name of VS Code dash something? Yeah, like some type of alias or something that they're doing in there. I didn't quite understand that part, but they said they were able to do it. So even if you have an Mm -hmm. app that's, say, Destination Linux, someone else can alias their app to make it that fake app still get uploaded. That's that's much worse. (laughs) Like a Destination dash Linux or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, before we get too upset, Apt has a database as well and can also suffer from the same flaw. The major difference, again, according to this research company, is that with apt, it goes, the developers have to undergo a pretty severe, um, you know, acceptance process in order to start being able to develop with apt. So there's a lot well, of okay, criteria. Well, that's, that's slightly different just because the process, like, well, there is some element of why I see why the snaps w- would happen much more so than the Debs because it's not because the app system or the Deb system or Debian or any of that stuff is more secure by default or any of that. It's because the the process has to be more gatekeeping, as it were, because of the fact that the Deb package system has no security system whatsoever in it. So it might be more laxable to do with snaps where if there's a containment system, it could be something that they kind of pull back on having to gatekeep everything. Whereas Debs, if you did that, well, then your whatever malicious put thing you put in there has root access and all that stuff. So it could be very bad. So that's why. And it's also probably because like getting maintainership inside of Ubuntu's Debs and in Debian is a very hard thing to do just in general. And I think that's more along the lines. It's not necessarily that app does it better. It's just because of there is a need for much more with Debs than that. Well, I would say just because of that app does do it better because that security does security better. Now you're saying it's because there's nothing inherently in it, but they actually have a process that is very robust. Oh, um, that's not exactly that. what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it's a false sense of security that they have with snaps because of the confinement system. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I I think part of the whole thing with snaps is you've created your one store and my expectation, if you're doing that, number one, my expectation is that you open source it. But beyond that, uh, my expectation is that you would have to curate this. One of the advantages of you owning this store entirely is that it's far better curated than if we had a store that was say out there by a third party. So my expectation is that I'm more secure utilizing snaps and have more curation than I would in other packages. And what we're finding, at least in this particular case, is not saying everything is not more secure, is that the curation process to be able to submit an app is inherently broken. And I do believe, to be very clear, that Ubuntu will fix this now that it's been brought to their attention. But 
you know, that kind of stinks that mm-hmm. we've kind of had this play out. And I think there's been malicious apps in apt before. I don't think I know there is that they've yeah. gotten into apt before um, and into AUR and other repositories. So this isn't like you're going to have a perfect system, but this seems way too open and free based sure. on this research here. I, I think that's fair. And I do think that it is important to note that some of the stuff that has been put into place for Canonical to do some gatekeeping at times were like temporary actions and not fully robust solutions. And also with the example of it being as easy as it is, that's, you know, a big red flag for me. So hopefully they do address this because this is something that if you're going to have the centralized store, which by the way, I think a centralized store is a necessity for something like this, whether it's closed or open source, that's not relevant to the fact that I do think a centralized store is, repo- Don't is stab important. Tommy in the back again, Michael. Is I'm saying mm-hmm. that it's important regardless of that piece. However, I do agree that having an open source solution is more ideal. But at the same time, if you're going to insist on a closed, you should at least have a policy to make sure that it is as robust as possible when it comes to gatekeeping and making sure that phishing apps don't get in easily and uh, make sure that anything that has the word crypto in it is flagged <laughs> instantly. Oh, yeah. For review for a long yeah. time. I, I think they need to adopt a lot of what uh, FlatHub is doing. I mean, they've started their veri- verification process, like especially within the last year. And I think that's made people think the platform is more secure because of that. Yeah. The verified app process in Flatpak yeah. basically says that, you know, this app has been or hasn't been verified. That's a really good system. Well, the verification sold in the Flatpaks and Flathub is solely that the original creator is the one putting the Flatpak out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that should indicate that that is a, sol- is a solid option. So if you go to the Firefox Flatpak, it's verified and you're like, cool, Mozilla's making that. I can trust it. But you could also get a verified nonsense package in there too because the original creator of the nonsense put in the nonsense. So the verification is only to a some degree a security factor. You should still also pay attention to like the permissions that it's it's asking for and things like that too, which is great that the FlatHub does provide that information too. So I, I do think that the latest version of the FlatHub has made huge improvements both in privacy, both in... Uh, permissions uh, uh, being aware for the user and also the verification system. Very important because yeah. flat packs for Firefox have been official and verified, not, not verified, but they've been officially maintained by Mozilla for years. And most people had no idea. And when they introduced that, then people saw it. And I think that's a good idea. And hopefully uh, the snaps do this as uh, something similar and yeah. also Canonical, address this part too. help us help yeah. you help us help you. <laughs> You know, like this is this shouldn't be happening. Now, I do want to mention the article states that their research also indicates that as many as 26% of commands, which there's a lot of commands. So 26% is a lot, like a lot. Like a command associated (laughs) with apt, not snaps, apt, advanced package tool, are vulnerable to impersonation by malicious actors. So that's their statement. They didn't provide all the details in the article of what those were, but apt also has some clear security flaws and issues. In fact, just to be clear, everything 
that software has security flaws. Yeah. And everything that was created by a human, including <laughs> AI, because we made those two, yeah. has potential flaws. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all these And also, it's important good. to note, are they talking about apt as the package manager tool, or are they talking about apt as in the collective set of tools? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that apt is both a collection of stuff that Debian made and then also a specific binary package named apt. So if you say apt, like apt install, insert thing, that's different than apt get. And people some p- still say apt dash get, even though you don't need to do that anymore. But the point is, is that those are completely different projects, even though they're both named apt. So I'm curious if that 26% relates to specifically apt, but in re- but it's saying apt packages so it might be referring to the stuff that's the other stuff like apt cache and all that cache, so yeah. isn't it isn't it fun how complicated things can be very yeah. fun yeah and snap solve that i mean that's one of their goals is to solve some of the complication but it has to be secure it can't be like the microsoft store which i guess we yeah. can't make fun of anymore because you can't throw stones in a glass we house. absolutely <laughs> can we absolutely can throw stones because we're not in a glass house, because the Microsoft store has those things, they know it and keep them there. <laughs> yeah, it's so, true. Yeah, It's a little I'm, bit worse. I mean, it's wild, wild west in the Microsoft store. And then, you know, but hopefully, <laughs> I, I not even hopefully, I know Canonical will go in there and fix and put some mitigations oh, yeah. in place here. And uh, I think it's great that we have research companies out there, huge props to them for going out there and discovering this and then testing it and then putting screenshots to show you exactly how they did it and what they did. I thought it was very thorough. It was very well done. Very cool. And that's the type of stuff that keeps us safe in open source and why open source is very important when it comes to security and things in there. So all in all, I'm happy that I'm not happy this happened, but I'm happy it was discovered and I think we'll get a fix in. And it's uh, also better to be discovered by people who want to help than others. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So this is good. Wasn't there a story this week about something with a crypto tool that this yes, happened? Recently? There was an issue with a phishing app that was put into Snaps that was basically like pretending to be a wallet app. And some people used it and were they lost some coins of some kind. And um, it was reported and it was taken down. And it was only there for like two days. But it's still in that small amount of time was still able to fish someone and that sort of stuff. So uh, they did find out that the method of getting stuff in the Snap Store was also very lax, which is similar to the same kind of problem that this command not found thing has. So it's um, kind of the same problem along the lines of if they fixed one, they fixed the other. But it is worth noting that they happened pretty much at the same time. (laughs) Same time, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just another iteration of a like this needs to be addressed now we mentioned in the opening what can you do to stay safe that we'd cover that as well so i, I want to make sure we do cover that i think michael to that point you know when you see something as vulnerable as crypto because we all know how many people have stories of stolen crypto lost crypto all of this type of stuff that oh, yeah. if you're going to trust a wallet that you're going to download off of a snap store or flat packer anywhere for that matter you need to do your proper research and not just trust, no matter what it is, that it's been properly curated or looked after. I'm sure there's tons of crypto wallets in the AUR and other things. And it every place, basically, just because it's Linux, 
just because it's a canonical store or just because it's a Red Hat product does not inherently mean that it's secure. So your research would be things like going and looking at who the developer is, how long has this app been around, looking at ratings, going and looking online and seeing if other people have reviewed this thing. And none of those individually by themselves, if the answer is yes, other people have, there's sites reviewing it necessarily mean it's still legit because you can create fake websites that talk about how great the product is and fake reviews and other things. Um, But especially something as vulnerable as dealing with your finances, you really should be doing your homework on this stuff. And I think it's really about that. We need to not just trust things just because they're sitting out there in a snap store or flat hub. Which is why I blindly install everything. Yes, Michael (laughs) blindly installs everything. What are some other mitigation tips? But seriously, I do want to reiterate something else. You were talking about how you need to make sure that it's, you know, trusted and you can test it. It's also important to go back and make sure again, because just because something was trusted and they have always been great Mm, for a certain amount of time, and then we find out that they were bought by something else and then completely ruined. That has happened on multiple occasions with software, like browser extensions, all sorts of stuff. So it is important to consider not only just, uh, there was even like a Windows app that I, for a long time was using for years when, but when I was using windows and um, I hadn't used it in years and I recommended it to someone and they said, Hey, there's a bunch of stuff on my computer. And it turns out that project sold itself to some gar- garbage company that then started putting malware and adware in their application, mm. like attached to it. Yeah. And I had no idea. I'm not going to mention it here because it's not relevant to anything. And I don't want people to accidentally download it because I look for it. But uh, I guess I, I, should I? No. But the point of the story is this happened last week when Michael was a big user of Windows. And it's really (laughs) a shame. I could show you how current these type of situations are. They're not just... Okay. Now I have to tell you the example of who it was because uh, this happened years ago. And this is proof because this they sold years ago. Uh, (laughs) It was Image Burn... I think oh, it was called Image yeah. Burn. Yes, like yes, IMG yes. IMG Burn or something like that. I I had an account too. <laughs> yeah, like they were they were solid for a long time. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they just like yeah. started installing nonsense. They because and the yeah. reason I found out is because the person who uh, asked about this, they said, "Hey, what's this weird blue looking Google Chrome icon?" Like, wait, wait, what? We didn't install Chromium into the system. Why is Chromium there? And then I found all this other stuff, and then. Yeah, it was a mess. Don't so, take advice from uh, Michael. That's that. what I like. Don't take your Don't advice. take advice from Michael related to Windows usage. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea yeah. <laughs> at all. <laughs> it has been so many years since I've used that. I cannot give you any good advice. Just uh, the, the best option I can give you is Google it or YouTube it. And that's much more helpful than me. One more thing. <laughs> now we're talking Linux though. You know, (laughs) if we uh, cover something like snaps and we're trying to go back and clear up your record and stuff like that, could you do us a solid and just make sure you don't have major security flaws? You know, (laughs) like just do us a solid there next time. Kind of help us out. Just throwing it out there. Maybe think about it, you know. This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and Linstore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. 
Lynnbit has an active presence in the open source community and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Lynnbit provides enterprise grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware that you want to use or just off the shelf hardware that you get and connect it. You get, all of this stuff can be interchanged really easily. And with DRBD and Lin Store, you can have high speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration, whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula. There's even DRBD proxy for long distance replication. Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in house with offices in Europe and North America which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more. Let's go to some positive news. Yay. You know I love Raspberry Pi. In fact, sitting right here is, you could probably see the Raspberry Pi keyboard if you're watching the video version right in the corner And there. if you're sitting yeah, right yeah. here and you could just look at the camera and see my Raspberry Pi 5 that oh, I got prepared go. to show you on the camera. He doesn't Yay. use his. That's I use it. I use it, but I took it <laughs> off so I could say, ha ha, Raspberry Pi 5, yo. So <laughs> the point of this is we're all fans of Raspberry Pi Foundation. I love everything they do here on Destination Linux. And they've been instrumental in getting open source in Linux to the masses. They've done so many amazing things for education and hobbyists. They've made it affordable. They made it hackable, most important. And it's an incredible platform for kids and adults to learn on, whether you're doing AI, robotics, anything. They even I mean, created a whole new genre of computing. Oh, exactly. <laughs> basically was copied by tons of companies that made it even better to get the single board computer stuff. And you could do all sorts oh, of schools. Like, yeah, love them. Love awesome. them. And there's yeah. nothing that I could say negative about that company other than I wish their supply chain was never hit, which I could say about a lot of companies, but it really hurt my feel-feels with Raspberry mm-hmm. Pi because I really wanted It hurt wanted my feel-feels because we couldn't get them. Yes, I needed yeah. more. I needed more pies. So there's some recent news out there that Raspberry Pi is preparing for an IPO. And it's kind of confirmed because the CEO is basically saying, yes, we're doing IPO. They're filing paperwork. So this is happening. This is a big deal. But people are upset about this. They're very upset about this news. I imagine Raspberry Pi executives are excited. Well, there's this fear that when they get listed on the stock market, these demonic, greedy vampires, also known as uh, stockholders, may start to influence where the company focuses their attention on, which we've seen many times before. So what happens is they start deciding because... Basically, the executives now report to the stockholders. They own the company. And they start saying, you know what? We don't want you doing all this free hobbyist stuff. It's taking too much of your budget. Do less of the Linux or the Raspberry Pi Foundation stuff and do more of the business enterprise stuff where you can make a lot more money. And so then this company that we love for all the hobbyist stuff and for you know having a cheap computer out there and relatively keeping the prices very in line with the initial launches starts having to answer to greedy vampire stockholders who are like, charge more. You know. So what you're saying is, based on track records of most companies that go public, this is a problem. That's and what people are afraid of. First that's story. an understandable concern. I yeah. think that that's a fair concern to a point, but also you have to consider the fact that this is a company that's been around 
related to the foundation for a very long time. And they've, mm-hmm. n- I've not seen them do anything that's uh, uh, not above board. Right. Yeah. So it's more likely that they're going to only put a certain percentage available in pub to public and it wouldn't be a controlling interest and that sort of thing. And also there's a difference between like how you set up a structure of this kind of thing. If you set up a company and a foundation at the same time, and the foundation controls where the product is going and where the software is going and all that sort of stuff. And then the company is more of a facilitator to do funding because you can't, if your foundation is a true foundation, unlike some things that call themselves foundation and are in no way foundations, if they are a true foundation, they're not allowed to make money, which is the problem that Mozilla had originally because they had the Mozilla Foundation and they were not allowed, they were making so much that they couldn't justify having just a foundation. So they made the Mozilla Corporation to compensate for that. And in that sense, you you have the foundation in control of where things go and what's done. And then the company is kind of facilitating. If they do a similar thing where the Raspberry Pi Foundation and the Raspberry Pi company are separate and the foundation has the control, we really don't have to worry about the company going public. Well, as far as I understand it, and we have direct communication Raspberry Pi, so maybe they'll help clear this up. But the way I understand it is there is a Raspberry Pi Foundation and there is the Raspberry Pi, I don't want to call them just corporation, but basically the main wing of Raspberry Pi that kind of deals with the enterprise and that type of stuff. And And the money they get from enterprise goes into the foundation to fund it. So in a way, the way they're set up today without the IPO, my understanding again is that you've got the corporation side, you got the foundation side. The foundation does all the amazing community work, the education projects, the STEM, all of that type of stuff. And they're funded from these enterprise projects, which is fine. But I like your suggestion, Michael, that the foundation runs things and then the corporation. But I think stockholders would have a problem with that. So one argument is the foundation will see more funding, one positive one, is now the foundation. Obviously, it goes IPO. You're going to get a big influx of money. Um, you're going to hopefully be able to fix a lot of the supply chain issues even more to get more product out there. Maybe even have new versions. And that extra money coming in, you could take a bigger percentage of that and send it into the foundation to do more cool things. Um, of course, others are arguing that you know that's not where the money will go. They won't send that money over to the foundation and they'll instead utilize that for commercial applications. So it's hard to say where this goes because history isn't in Raspberry Pi's favor when it comes to, as you mentioned, Michael's companies that IPO. They generally end up being slaves to their shareholder overlords. And then they say stuff like it's smart business. And uh, you get lots of lines like that. That was a throwback. Now we got the throwback smart business people. <laughs> Uh, could you re- could you say that? I was not listening to you. Oh my gosh, unbelievable! <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think <laughs> the CEO is basically saying, "Hey, things aren't going to change. We're going to keep doing what we do." But they all say that, honestly. Like, if I'm being honest, they all literally say that nothing's so, going to change. And then a week later, everything changes. everything yeah. changes. Yeah, yeah, probably not a week, but months later, it seems it's, like a week. So later. that's the hardest part about these kinds of things is that uh, even Upton, Eben Upton, not sure how to say his name, uh, he's been involved in the raspberry pi since the beginning right he's the founder and everything and for for as long as it's possible like he's done things that are just i don't know of any bad thing that he has done Mm -mm. to the foundation or the product or anything so i'm i'm a fan of the of his work and you hope it's still yeah you still you, you want it to continue but you still have that concern because that's that phrase of Nothing's changing. 
has been said by everyone. So even though it's this person, you're still a concern because it's like, yeah, but sure. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. I, I think one additional suggestion is that the leadership, you have foundation leadership needs to be separate from the corporate leadership. And they need to have autonomy from the shareholder desire standpoint. And that is one way that they could keep this from basically having a major impact on a company we've all come to absolutely adore and love to have that clear break between shareholder desires in the business and what happens in the foundation. You have two different leaders running their um, kind of show there to keep it separate might be something yeah. that would help keep them successful because if they lose that community piece, then essentially orange pie and their other competitors are going to eat them for lunch because this is raspberry pies foundation is a community project. Yes. It makes its money on enterprise, but people love it for what it did for the community. And if they lose that, if they lose that, that company will get eaten alive. And it's, yeah. it's, it's very hard to build a reputation and it's very easy to lose it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I am actually though, not too worried because, because for one, the education element of the raspberry Pi is, is where the original mission started. And mm -hmm. that is one of the largest, um, areas of growth is the schools. So that's still very, very, very important for, which them. is good for sure, Yeah, which is, is good. And I, I think the other reason is having that separation, kind of the separation of church and state, let's say, in a way, the Raspberry Pi Foundation from the business business side. I wouldn't um, use that as an example because that's also been completely tainted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but I, I the do think it's The idea of it, Jill's fair. With the, yeah, the, the, idea concept. Concept. the idea of it, not yeah. <laughs> yeah, to no. keep that separation with the business and the, and the community. The Raspberry Pi's uh, business side, you know, has had a really long history of private and strategic investors. Like when Arm took a minority stake in the company in in November of 2023, and that's only been good for the Raspberry Pi uh, Foundation and company because uh, th they were able to better integrate the Arm processor with their devices. Yeah, and Arm and, went but IPO. That, that did not change mm -hmm. the way you know their emphasis on selling. The, the pies to education and their mission statement of a tinkerer's toy and yep. not just for business and industrial and internet of things. I think that we've kind of covered all the bases for this. And I think that it's very like we, we're optimistic because yeah. of the, the raspberry pie and the history of it. Want to be optimistic. I'm not optimistic. Jill and I are optimistic. <laughs> I want to be optimistic. Yeah. I've just been and, in business too long. So, okay. So Jill and I are optimistic and Ryan is cautiously optimistic. There you go. And th this is going to be a good thing. And it's based on the track record of Raspberry Pi. It probably will be a good thing based on the track record of IPOs in general. Well, who knows? We'll see. we'll see. But I do think it's important to note that there is the difference is that the Raspberry Pi Limited company is the one that's going public, not the foundation. Yeah. So it it could be like I described earlier, where the foundation has control and that's just funding. So I, I'm crossing my fingers that that's what's going to happen here. And uh, yeah, but I think that this has the potential to be very, very beneficial to Raspberry Pi, and I'm going to hope for that one. Because we can, mm -hmm, they can too. have all kinds of devices with this funding that could come out. If I'm going to talk about the positive side, 
positive side is we could have Raspberry Pi based phones. We could have new Raspberry Pi models every single year coming out. Yeah. We could have uh, Raspberry Pis that are focused just on AI and things kind of like the uh, NVIDIA tensors and stuff that they've done. That'd be um, awesome. You know, there, there's all kinds of amazing Raspberry Pi cryptos machines. Oh, crypto machines. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Maybe not that part, but the other stuff, that sounds good. Raspberry yeah. Pi tablets. So that'd be cool. There's some cool stuff that can happen from this with this funding that could take, you know, Raspberry Pi to the next level. I just really want that foundation to be continued to be successful. And as long as they keep their current leadership, I agree, things will stay in place, but the shareholders can kick out the current leadership and then we get new leadership who wants to take it in a different direction and that's where things Let's get just scary. make sure yeah. that we keep Eben the benevolent yeah. dictator for life. There you yeah. go. I trust in Eben Upton. <laughs> there we go. We'll get shirts. <laughs> we'll get shirts. And if they do things wrong, we'll just go the way we're going to treat WoW. We'll go to war until they bring the foundation back to where it's supposed to. Don't make us tweet war, you. Don't make us tweet war, you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, gosh, Michael, please. It's too much. It's too intimidating. It's too scary, that face. Man. All right. If you're not watching the video version of this, you're missing You're out. missing so much. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So I've got one more bonus story for you. This is good news too. I got another Woo-hoo. good news story. I'm feeling like Jill today. I'm just happy. <laughs> I'm happy with some feeling of good. Yeah, I'm feeling, feeling good. good. So Signal, you know, this is something we recommend to a lot of people when we talk mm-hmm. about. We literally you know, did that last week. Yeah. Yes. WhatsApp and all these things. We're like, look, Signal's kind of our preferred one. This is what we like. But there's one downside of Signal, and that is. You don't really want to give out your signal to everyone because you're giving out your actual phone number because it's, you know, it's tied to your phone number and people can look you up by your phone number. So like me and Michael and Jill, we share signal with each other because we trust each other. But if I met somebody who's like, hey, I want to message you and I don't really, really know them, I'd be like, eh, uh, I don't know. Get Hit me up on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, or, or, uh, maybe give them a session code or, or yeah, maybe even like in some, in some cases I would just give my telegram because, it's you yeah. still have to sign pretty sure you have to still sign up on telegram with a phone number but you can use a, a username and guess what people yeah what ryan didn't take the cue no what <laughs> guess what what uh, guess what you say what what signal is doing that same thing <gasps> by giving you usernames cool but oh yay but important wait. to note you still have to use your phone number to sign up Oh, that's true. Yeah. And also that's that's like Telegram and WhatsApp anyway. Right. And it's also kind of better than WhatsApp because you get usernames. And this is fantastic because Signal is like basically everything that we want from a messaging app, except for the fact that you have to give your phone number to literally everyone. That's why we spent so much time trying to make other t- tools work, like trying to make Telegram work. And we ran into some issues trying to make Matrix slash Element work. And we ran into into some issues issues. yeah and then we tried to use discord because we gave up on the privacy part of it and (laughs) and and that's basically because of the fact that getting someone into signal is really easy because the phone number but giving out your signal access is very it's not a great idea let's just say it's not a great idea because you had to give your phone number so the fact that they are now introducing this is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm still annoyed that it's been however many years it has been when it was like the most requested thing on their li- on their list of options that people want forever. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's fantastic. And 
You don't have to wait much. Well, you still have to wait long, a little bit because it's on beta. So like it's a few weeks. They said they're going to roll out wait to everyone bit. in a few weeks. So not too long. And I see this as a huge bump in the signal because now signal can become a social media yeah. outlet. I'm happily going of. to be yeah, using signal much more. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you can already create groups and things and signal and stuff. But again, you're sharing your phone number. Um, you do want to make sure that it looks like you do have to change some settings, even though you have the username option to where you tell it where you don't want people to be able to search for you by your phone number and stuff still. Uh, so you still want to go through some of those settings with signal. But yeah, I think now signal can become much more than just a messaging app. It can become a social, a place where you can have socialize yeah. and hang out with people and other things. And, you know, who knows what the future holds for signal, but you know what we should do? Let's read. And I'm gonna let Michael do this because he's the marketer. Uh, there's there's there was a part that annoyed me when I wa- when I read the announcement. I was like, "Yes, I read the art. I read the headline. I was like, <laughs> yes, I can't wait. This is awesome, great." And then they make the most marketing spin. It's like marketing spin at its finest, and it's just it made me laugh. So I just wanted to put it in the show. All right, it's, hear it. it says Signal's mission and sole focus is private communication. Okay. For years, Signal has kept your messages private, your profile information, like your name and profile photo, private, your contacts private, and your groups private, among so much else. Now we're taking that one step further by making the thing that should have been private originally by default because of duh. Oh, that's not in there. <laughs> that Oh, I, I, I added that part. My <laughs> oh, bad. Okay. My it bad. said ma- by making your phone number on Signal more <laughs> private. Yay. Do, Yay. Okay. So m- I was laughing at the fact that they were just making this huge thing. It should have started with, hey, everybody, we heard what you've been asking for years and we're going to do it. Yeah. That would have been much better and more up front it's a good because, point yeah. you make you know and we got it, the elevator pitch <laughs> yeah it, i'm just making this as a as a as a, po- a point to say in the show because it's funny yeah it but also funny. thank you so much signal for doing this yeah, because signal you. now can be the platform we all use for basically everything because the whole reason we didn't is just this yeah, yeah I'm, a, exactly. I'm gonna do everything in signal i'm gonna eat in there I'm going to sleep in Signal. I'm going to work in Signal. I'm going to work out in Signal. Everything. Michael said everything. We can do everything. everything that signal. makes sense. No. Except for the eating. That might be a little bit messy. <laughs> yeah. But the other part, because it depends on what you're eating. If you're eating pasta, that could get everywhere. The this noodles game, getting could, into the <laughs> messages. live and, stream to our patrons. <laughs> ooh. We could finally get rid of Jitsi and use Signal. <laughs> Wait, does Signal have live streaming? I don't know. They they let you uh, you know you can go on video. I know video they're experimenting chat, yeah. with that. Yeah. Maybe we'll maybe we'll use Signal. Who knows? The future <laughs> is nigh. Oh wait a minute! Isn't isn't Signal the same people as Redphone? I think. I yeah, know. there is some connection there. Don't I, ask questions I on remember. the show when we're not having anybody look them up. We need a person yeah, dedicated need, to. Look we need up a fact duty. checker. Yeah. On our, <laughs> on our show, if anybody wants to volunteer, send your application team. in as our fact checker. You have to show up every Wednesday uh, for a recording, like a patron, <laughs> and, and also it's a volunteer. <laughs> yeah, I also will pay you nothing. And also, you'll probably get no recognition for the hard work that you do. You will absolute get re- you will absolutely get recognition because we will ask you to fact check things all the time. All the time, and yeah. we will thank you as you do it. <laughs> now you may so be. Don't worry yourself, about that part. Don't these guys fact check before the show? Shut up. Oh yeah. So the answer to that is agreed. Shut up. But also, 
<laughs> yes, we do fact check. Oh, but the I problem is, is that sometimes we think of things on the fly, on the fly and then yeah. don't have the chance to oh, fact that's check That's what it. we didn't do. And okay. Yeah, that, so, that's so exactly to, what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So we have to do duck, duck, go during the show to find the yeah. correct answer. You and know? The, the funny part is <laughs> I was fact checking earlier. Like when you were, you, you, you made that joke and I didn't listen to you. I was fact checking at the time, You're which is the problem. Yeah. So I, I, we need a I fact was, checker. Yeah, Clearly. exactly. If, if otherwise we can't pay attention to Ryan's terrible jokes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> terrible joke. God dang it. Man, I got it. Come around on me. He just like, just walked right into it. Even agreed to it. So good. Yeah. All <laughs> right. So Jill, take us into the gaming sections. We're done with this signal. Oh yes. Let's go to something really fun. No. <laughs> Besides, Wait, are you uh, saying signal. signal's not fun, oh, Jill? No. It's- Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> See, that's how you misinterpret things, people. If we had fact checkers, we would notice that that's not, they would say, Michael, that's uh, not what she was saying. Like, But we don't. So continue, Jill. <laughs> signal is awesome. And signal would help us uh, with this game uh, get out of jail, <laughs> actually. So well, communicate in jail, maybe. With yeah. Signal. We are not recommending anything that is not that is for entertainment purposes only. So last week we actually talked about the new Orange Pi Neo, uh, the Steam Deck competitor, which is running Manjaro Linux. So this week here is a game you might want to pick up for your Neo or Steam Deck. It's called Jailbreaker in all capitals. Jailbreaker. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> The game on does Steam. It get you, does it get your uh, iPhone out of using iPhone? Is that what it's doing? It's not that kind of jailbreaker. Yeah, it's not Michael. that kind of jailbreaker. Oh. Although, yeah. okay. Okay. although it could be used as such with, with code, malicious code in the background, I guess. Depending if Again, you check this download. For entertainment purposes only. <laughs> yeah. Since Michael and Jill stabbed Timmy last week, they want to review yes. a game His called Jailbreaker. His name is Tommy. How oh, Tommy. dare you? <laughs> Because they may end up in jail. Or Johnny. <laughs> His name is Tommy. It didn't happen. It's a figment of your imagination. Timmy Tommy, as I remember. Tommy yeah. Timmy. Tommy oh. Timmy Thompson. Yeah. That's, that's the way it names. That was, that was we named him. All right. Sorry, so The Jill. game Continue. on Steam describes itself like this. A punishing one-button platformer about escaping prison. Test your skills and intellect as you ascend a tower of handcrafted challenges. Jump, fly, slide up walls, float in bubbles, and perform somersaults. All with the press of a single button. Reach the paramount. Reach! So when I launched this game, I immediately fell in love with the simple visuals of black and white rain cascading downwards Mm. and the beautiful ambient music playing with the sounds of rain falling. It was, it's such a beautiful backdrop for the menu. But I soon got trapped in Jailbreaker's pixelated menace and pounding the up arrow again and again and again to climb to get to my destination and collect the diamonds while trying to avoid the traps and falling. So jumping to the next platform, all with a simple press of the up arrow. This, this, is a, this, this game mechanic is brilliant. And meanwhile, simple white noise and static sounds playing in the background, which seems to be that of a vintage CRT TV receiving no signal. Hmm. This game, again, is absolutely brilliant, yet very cha- a very challenging platformer with an amazing one-button mechanic 
And honestly, it beckons me to play more. I've I've probably spent five hours in this game. Well, Jill, with all your real life experience escaping jail, <laughs> how close to reality was this game for you? You know? Well, I know I'd never want to be in jail. That it taught me that lesson. <laughs> all right. That's that's a good lesson, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because apparently jail has uh, giant saw blades that are constantly going around you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're coming around uh, 360 here on Destination Linux today. So, you know. All the callbacks. (laughs) 360. (laughs) So Jailbreaker is only $3.99 on Steam and supports our Linux penguins out of the box. And it is truly a brilliant game. It, it's very cool. It's very well done. You know, sometimes the arrows will let you jump to the next platform and sometimes they'll let you slide up walls. There's just that one one button does so much in the game. And there's very few games actually that have this kind of mechanic where you're using one button for everything. Yeah, it's kind of an accessibility thing too, Tony. Yeah. To, yeah, utilize yeah, one button absolutely. for the whole game. Very cool. Uh it reminds me of the show called Prison Break. You guys ever watch Prison uh, Break, the show? Yes. Uh, I hadn't watched it. But I like that. Very good show for the first season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It got a little silly. A lot silly. <laughs> it got very silly. When the when it, when it the show becomes, we're out of prison already, and it's still going, Yeah, mm-hmm. what are you doing? It's what called Prison doing? Break. Like, what? Yeah. You're out. <laughs> How do you have a show where you're, what? <laughs> yeah. So did you have to tattoo the map of the prison in this game on your back, Jill? No. No. Oh, okay. They missed mm. that. No. That was, cool, that was a cool part of the Prison Break show. You know? <laughs> and also, probably the worst special effects team thing had to do like every single episode, like do like draw that map on his back every time. <laughs> oh, he was committed actor. He had it really tattooed. The fake. That's why you notice effect. he's wearing hoodies and stuff a lot. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Joe. What's our software spotlight to go along with our jailbreak game? Oh boy, it's Stimulator. It'll help you stimulate you to get out of jail. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's actually stimulator as an application. I think that jail prevents, does that. <laughs> prevents the desktop environment from sleeping while it's on. And yes, this is <laughs> this this helps you while you're in jail. Stay up. Stay away. You can get computers in jail, Jill. Otherwise, I might go. No. I, I, I think I, I think this no. jailbreaker <laughs> thing is is making us go into this weird theme. It is. So this this app stimulator actually works regardless of your desktop environment and is a great way to make sure your boss still thinks you are working because <laughs> your messaging app never switches you to inactive. I'm I'm just kidding. LOL. <laughs> you wouldn't really do that, Jill. No, I would, but you would. Absolutely not. Yeah. No. But what, wait, uh, first of all, does it actually do that? Does it make it Sure, your, it would. Yeah. Yeah, as long as it's, you know, Active. keeping your your desktop alive. Entertainment purposes only. Entertainment. Yeah. Purposes. Yeah, we're not yes. recommending this. Right. Not for that particular purpose. Right. It reminds <laughs> me of the caffeine stuff, which yeah. I think was an extension, but it, this is cool that it oh, just yeah. works on everything. Yes. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and this can also be used when you're running like certain diagnostics, like stress testing your new build or memory, or if you have certain processes running that can't be interrupted by your computer going to sleep, such such as rendering animation. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a good that's one. definitely a thing. So check out Stimulator if you need to keep your desktop environment on no matter what. And it's available as a handy flat pack on flathub.org. 
So I've got a story to share with you all. Um, It's a little embarrassing because, you know, I do a lot of (laughs) triage and tech support and I fix a lot of people's issues. Uh, And sometimes I run into issues myself. You're supposed to be the computer guy. You're supposed to know this stuff, right? (laughs) So this is a true story. My computer recently, and my recently, I mean, for like the last two months, has stopped waking from sleep. Like I would have to sit here, like push the power button. And then I would see the lights come on, like my video card lights and stuff from within the case. Uh, but my screens would never turn on. And then I would hit it again to try to wake it up from sleep. And then it would basically just turn off the computer. And I hit it again, the computer would come on. And I've been dealing with this nonstop because I haven't had time to sit there and really try to fix it. I mean, when I had a few minutes, I went to power management settings and I would look there and be like, what are you set to go to sleep? But I'd be like, never go to sleep, never turn off the monitor. And it would still do the same thing. And mm. I went into BIOS and oh. I checked the power settings there. And I was like, hey, everything looks good here. There's nothing causing this. And I just kind of was like, I don't know. I I give up, right? I'll just do my three-button push. And then one day, it kind of struck me that if everything in the computer's fine and the stuff's lighting up, maybe it's not my PC, but my monitors themselves. And so what I went into and found out was that there's a power management setting in my BenQ monitors that basically puts them to sleep that the PC low energy setting uh, would not yes. be able to wake them up from so <laughs> all of this work. And it was just that setting. Now, how did this happen to me and didn't happen all those times before? We've, we've had, we've both had these monitors for, I don't know how long, for maybe a at long least a time. couple of years. Over a year. Yeah, yeah. Over a year. And this is, this That's is funny. hilarious Yeah, because, because <laughs> you're, your experience, you were talking about, okay, first of all, yes, it's funny because you're the computer guy and it's just the basic setting yeah. of a monitor and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. But this is wonderful because it just shows you that it doesn't matter how much experience you have, we're all humans yeah. and there's going to be some silly stuff we do. And also it's beautiful because I had similar issues <laughs> with my <laughs> monitor and it just go and it something happening and all of a sudden I would connect it to my laptop and then the monitor would just like go off for some I'm like why are you yeah. why are you going off like I don't know and then my solution was to just never do it again and keep my <laughs> you just gave up oh, <laughs> I li- I literally I literally just gave up. I was going to make a joke earlier about how you didn't ask me for help with your monitors because I have the same monitors. Yeah. And the way you described it, I was like, well, oh, I wouldn't have been to do it. But so, this is wonderful because now I know I can use my laptop again. You can go things. fix it in the power. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's freaking awesome. And the irony of this is this is actually something I've known about because every, every time I buy a new did. monitor, I've got hundreds of monitors and every time i buy one i turn energy saver mode off yeah this energy we forgot saver to crap. ask jill and that's that was our mistake really <laughs> this energy saver crap is just for the government so they can say look yeah. we have it but it's the most annoying feature in the world and what's interesting about it is why did i have this a year ago well at one point I was doing something with the monitors and i changed a setting i didn't want to and i couldn't remember what setting is so i went and changed everything back to default reset okay to default. yeah and so, so that's it came back didn't and you forgot that you or didn't it. realize those two events were connected and never put it back together that when i reset mm. the default it turned power management back on and boom 
this was my problem. So it was kind of a perfect storm, but I'm hoping this tip and trick <laughs> helped you if your stupid monitors won't turn back on. To, yeah. Maybe it's your monitors. <laughs> I'm going to test OS. this after the show. I and love I'm, it. I think it's going to help me <laughs> for sure. <laughs> because I, was ha- I wasn't having the exact same problem, but it would be going to sleep and it would come back, but it would come back sometimes with some ghosting. Yeah. And with like, because that's incredibly annoying. Oh, and so it would also come back with like this weird temporary burn in. Oh, so if geez. I if I left it alone for like a couple hours, came back and had it plugged in, it would work. Or if I plugged it into my desktop, it would work. But otherwise, it would have this weird issue. And then I just stopped just gave up. doing it because I didn't want to risk messing up the mic. <laughs> just I'm not gonna troubleshoot it. I'm just gonna stop doing it. I love that. that. I love that. That is a solution. It might not be what is the most recommended, but it is a solution. It is okay. A solution. <laughs> All right, Mike. What other tips and tricks besides just what other up, solutions do I have for people? <laughs> I have so many solutions. This one actually is going to be helpful. Um, how many times are you playing a game and you get stuck on a boss or a puzzle and need some help Every and your time. name is Ryan all the time? Yep. Literally exactly. all the time. Yeah. Yep. If you open your phone and you start searching or you open your laptop and you start searching, you can get a lot of information, but alongside that information, you can get ads or useless, useless videos of people just playing themselves and calling it a walkthrough. It's not a walkthrough if you're just playing the game. Yeah. That's not what walkthrough means. Or they never get to the point. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Or they talk about their day and how it went. Yeah. And that's also not relevant to the right. thing. Video. Anyway, yeah. the tip for this week is to use Steam's built-in guides. Mm-hmm. That's right. Steam has built-in guides. Never knew. And that. this is a tip that I'm sharing with you because Ryan told me about it and I didn't even know that this I was had a no thing. clue this was a thing. <laughs> None. So... If you're on the Steam Deck, you can just hit the Steam button and navigate to the guides where it will get you a bunch of tips that people have submitted to the system. And you get tricks and you get actual walkthroughs, which is pretty cool. And yeah, there you You go. You can do it through the regular Steam app too, not just on the Steam Deck. There's guides there that the players submit. Like, where has this been all my life? But apparently one of us did know about this. (laughs) Yeah, I've been using it for about 10 years at least. Of course. Of course. (laughs) Of course, Joe. She could have helped me fix the monitor. She knew about the thing. We know. should just put we we you know we we do we don't use the phone that much these days because it's just kind of and an well, not a we thing had to give that our people phone do. Out. Thanks, yeah. Signal. yeah, because signal, you know, Bob, all that sort of thing. But uh, I'm thinking we should put Jill on our speed dial as number one for yeah. like everything. Jill's my tech you know? support now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no pressure, Jill. We're not going to make you answer every single tech question. Just ninety nine percent of them. Oh. <laughs> and I imagine these guides are really good. I looked through a couple they of them, are. Jill. I haven't obviously used it because I didn't know about it that much. But when I was looking at the guides, like they had like boss, this boss, here's what you do, all these type of things. Yeah. That is what I generally try to search for mm-hmm. and end up inundated with ads and crap and things I don't want. But in the Steam yeah. guides, it's very it's focused. It's really nice because they break down by, usually if, they, if it's written really well, it'll break down per map. Like yeah. what, like what's going to happen in each map, and and sometimes I've had to reference them when I got stuck. So. That's awesome. <laughs> I never get stuck. To people, all of us. I well, only play one game, Rocket but League. But you only like play you Rocket League. That's true. <laughs> I, yep, that's there. There are no maps to walk through, so it's like <laughs> you just play soccer with a car, and 
That's it. <laughs> I'd get lost in Rocket League. I'd be turned around. Where am I supposed that, to go? The best part about that is that it is a contained, like confined, like racetrack spherical yeah. or, or oval yeah. that yeah. basically doesn't allow you to go far. anywhere <laughs> yeah. than the arena itself. And well, Ryan would still probably get lost. <laughs> well, I do yes, remember one true. time playing with you, Michael, where I scored on ourselves. Like I knocked it towards the wrong goal. So I literally <laughs> did get <laughs> lost in like Rocket Ryan. League at one point. So. <laughs> Which was hilarious though. Yeah. yeah. So I Michael's enjoyed that. like, why am I playing with him? At the time though, I was not the amazing player that I am now. This was like in the early days. So in yeah. Ryan's defense, he's still bad at directions. <laughs> still bad at directions. Well, I've got some exciting news that we've never what covered on the show. Exciting news? Yeah. What? No. We're going to scale, Michael. Wow. Really? Yes. Oh, that is like completely brand new information that no one knew about before, except for like the people who watch every episode for the past. Yes. Uh, 10, <laughs> or maybe or they the, don't get to this part, you know, or the no. interview that we literally did with the people from scale. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we're going to maybe scale, they don't, Michael. We're we're oh, we are. 420. Yeah. Yes. Come visit us. That is the best part. When I got <laughs> the message of like, here's your booth number, I thought, is yeah. this a joke? <laughs> and then I know, it's not. So of course, yeah. uh, everyone we got the best booth in the entire we have the best, you know, for sure. Yes, uh, this is a budding industry, people. Right next door to the Linux Chicks of LA booth, which is number four eighteen. They yes, they do it by odd and even numbers. So very ah, cool. Okay, I'm very nice. excited that we'll be next to also Linux Chicks. Let's talk about what we're gonna do at scale. Okay, because we have tons of plans. Yes. So first of all, Ryan doesn't know we're going to be doing this, but I, I added some extra pieces that we're going to be Ooh. doing so many things at scale. First of all, tons of interviews. If you are a part of a project and you want to get interviewed, hopefully we have time. We're going to be doing those. So come by the booth. If you didn't hear, it's 420. Also, we're going to be live streaming from the booth. Nice. And awesome. what we're going to be live streaming, well, that's a surprise to all of us because we haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> well, at least what? we'll be us and we'll talk to you and hang out and show you around. And Jill's taking people around in our live streams yeah. before. It's I a lot of fun. If you can't make it, you'll get to experience it through the eyes of Jill. And honestly, it's probably the best eyes to experience scale through anyway. So also because she's going to she, she's going to walk around the the expo hall mm -hmm. and everyone's going to know who she is and say, Hi, Jill. And then you kind of get that experience of <laughs> yeah. kind of sort of to a small degree, being Jill. <laughs> I like to watch oh. it. And who doesn't live want through that? Jill and be like, oh, that's you know? what it's like to be recognized everywhere you exactly. go. And vicariously be Jill. That's that's the that's the value it's like of VR. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <laughs> so scale 2024, March 14th through the 17th at uh, the Pasadena Convention Center in Pasadena, California. You need oh, that's to be good there. That. Okay. You need to be there. We're gonna have swag we're gonna be handing out. So that's another reason you want to come to the yeah. booth. We're gonna do a cool giveaway. Thing. Of something. Something we'll be giving away. <laughs> <laughs> kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Probably just give away one of Ryan's hats because he has way too many. I've got way too many. Actually, we could probably do that if, if you want one of my hats, but probably <laughs> don't. Um, all right. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. You can come join us on our Discord at tuxdigital.com slash Discord. And if you want to watch the show live, us recording live, that's audio and video you can join us now on Thursdays and maybe 
Wednesdays in the future. Today we're doing a Wednesday. We are going we're to trialing. be so we'll much see. more letting you know about in future, like because this is a test. It's a yeah. test. If this goes well, we will continue to. If do you could Wednesdays. make Thursdays, maybe you can make Wednesdays now and come join us as a patron. But either way, slash discord is twenty four seven. You can come hang out with people there. Seven three talk six, about fitness. Five. You could talk about. Uh, games, movies, anything you want there in the Discord. And of course, our shows and episodes and all that. And a special patron-only room, Michael. But how do they sign up for such a thing? They go to tuxdigital.com slash membership. And I'm you on get my way all now. of this stuff. You get live access to the show. You get the patron-only post-show that happens every week after the show where you get to hang out with us after the show. And it's just a fantastic time. It's kind of like meeting us at scale, but every week right yeah so i want to meet awesome. you at scale every week i mean the scale doesn't happen every it's, it's oh. kind of like that kind of you know like, yeah in a it. virtual sense because you're just it it's is. on a tuxdigital.com slash membership to get all of this and more and go to tuxdigital.com slash store to get some awesome swag we have t-shirts hoodies mugs stickers coasters towels. and so we don't have to well, actually we might have towels not that one what is that? <laughs> I don't even know what this is. What is oh, it's a Whataburger towel. Whataburger oh, towel. Oh, my goodness. Well, no, no, no. Put it down. They didn't pay for the sponsorship. Oh. No. Put it down. No, Whataburger. <laughs> <laughs> so, tuxdigital.com slash store to pick up all of this stuff and more. And make sure to check out all the amazing shows here on Tux Digital. That's right. We have an entire network of awesome shows to fill your entire week with geeky goodness. Check out the Dost Geek channel, or maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What? Burn. <laughs> Whoa. Burn. Jill. I'm teasing. Of all the best people, part, Jill. The best part is I was going to make a joke, and then I didn't have to because Jill burned you. <laughs> yeah. Burn. yeah. I'm teasing. I'm I'm teasing Ryan. Ryan reviews awesome tech, discusses ways to keep your privacy intact online, and geeks out on all things open source and Linux. Make sure to check him out. I love his his episodes he does on security it's okay yeah because okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're one of the only people out at, you know out online doing uh the the security and talking about the details of you know everything that we need to know to to keep our safe thank you jill i appreciate that even though you slammed <laughs> me at the beginning <laughs> I, I don't you. hold I really grudges <laughs> very long <laughs> he doesn't hold grudges <laughs> except forever. Aww. And everyone head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. We yeah, come did okay, 360. You did okay on that last part. It was all right. It was okay. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everyone, and we'll see you next okay. week. <laughs> you did okay, job, Jill.